Hello. Welcome to the Faculty of Environment podcast, or the... The Faux Show. Faux Show. Faux Show. Welcome. Faux Show. <laughs> I am one half of your hosting team. My name is Sam Toman. Hi, Sam. I'm Joanne. I'm the other one half. Math. Math. That's right. That's math. We're doing math for you. Yeah. Uh, we have a great faux show for you today. Mm-hmm. We have uh, geography professor Dr. Sarah Birch. Sarah Birch. Birch is not spelled how you think. Not like the tree. Not like the tree, people. Which, which would have been way better for a geographer. That's true. That would have been like a destiny college. Or I guess that's more ecology. Either way, I'm sure there's birch trees in geography. I'm sure birch trees have... have have uh, come up in her research. Actually, I don't know if they have because mm. she she studies more communities. Actually, yeah, community engagement. Yeah, community engagement. Social how social how climate change action can happen from a community, and she is also a bit of a superstar. <gasps> and Tell me. yeah, and she has been to COP. Right. Yeah. So COP is is upon us yeah, right now. That's right. And COP21 is upon us, and she's been there, and she is going to give us a first-person, on-the-ground perspective of what it's like to be at COP. Yeah. And uh, we're looking forward to that. We also want to give a big thanks to Tony Ferguson, oh, our Tony. Uh, podcast producer and editor this time around. Tony, Tony, we, we Tony, love you. Tony, Tony, Tony. We love you, man. It's a great band yeah. and your name. We couldn't do this without Tony, and yeah. we also couldn't do this without the great people in the Mad Lab, Mapping Analysis and Design. Yeah, they're mad good. They are mad good, yeah. and they keep us on track. They keep us microphoned, mic'd up, mm-hmm. hot mic'd. Hot mic'd. Yeah, and they keep us uh, in check when we get unruly. Yeah, and they keep this booth hot, too. <laughs> they heat the booth. They heat the booth. Amply. <laughs> so So without further ado. Let's get to J- uh, Sarah Bird. Welcome, Sarah. Why, thank you. Thanks for coming. Thank you for coming. You're Glad our, to be you're here. Our, oh, I shouldn't probably tell you that you're our last podcast because it won't matter in the yeah. scheme of things, but we're happy you're here. We are. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. I'm glad to be here. So yeah. this may not actually come out till like, December. Okay. But... A little Christmas gift to the That's good, right. good timing because what we'll be having in December? Cop. Right? Mm-hmm. Say that again? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cop. yeah. Right. So I think we'll touch on that a little bit. Cool. Okay. Talk about your book a little bit. Sure. Um, we should do scenarios of what we think will happen at COP. Yeah. And then we'll have it after, and then yeah. we'll be like, ah! <laughs> oh no. <But> scenarios <laughs> of all kinds. Put money down. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Scenarios of all kinds. All kinds, like not just climate. Like, sure. <laughs> so your, your book is called Understanding Climate Change, colon, Science, Policy, and Practice. Yeah. It's a modest refer. Yeah, and for for those of you who are listening, which is all of anyone My who's mom. listening, hey, yeah. mom. the cover on the front is the the metal screwy part of the bottom of a light bulb with the plants growing out of it. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the decision to choose that cover? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I think the idea behind that cover was to show kind of the collision of technology with nature and just how. First of all, the light bulb, you know, signifies ideas and um, kind of inspiration. But uh, mm-hmm. looking at um, the human dimensions of climate change and how those can kind of grow out of out of what might normally be considered kind of technological options or yeah. sort of um, yeah, this sort of physical versus technical side and, and bringing the human into that. So that was kind of the idea. 
Did you, did you draw it? I, this I did, did not, in oh, fact, okay. draw. Oh, no, okay. Thankfully, they had somebody cool. actually design the, the cover. That would be cool if you drew that. <laughs> right? <laughs> like yeah. two points, no. man. Okay. Mm. Perhaps the most accessible book yet to be written on climate change. <laughs> wow. If you decide to read only one book about climate change, understanding climate change is the one you should choose. In layman's terms, mm -hmm. can you explain what your book is? Sure. The book is just a really um, simple but attempts to be comprehensive kind of presentation of what climate change is. The point is not to delve really deep into the politics or into the economics, but if you are an undergraduate student or just sort of a regular person and you're a bit baffled by the conversation about climate change in the media and, in, um, you know, by politicians, and you just want to understand enough to critically participate in that conversation a little bit better and understand for yourself what's actually going on that's what that's who the book is for so mm. um it gives a really kind of broad strokes introduction to the science um you know what are the systems in terms of the planet that are at play and how are they changing how have they changed in the past um uh, what do models do for us how can they help us understand climate how do we respond to a changing climate either through you know reducing our emissions or by protecting ourselves so there's a there's policy dimensions kind of uh, written throughout and the whole thing is kind of cast through the lens of, of transformative change so what have we done is that enough to really reach the goals we want to reach and if not then what do we need to do instead yeah so it's an introductory book it's um for kind of the average joe who wants to understand more and essentially be able to have that really awkward thanksgiving dinner you know with their skeptic oh, uncle oh, yeah. and you know yeah, rebut yeah. some of those sunspot myths and the whatever myths yeah. you know that always come up uh, mm -hmm. and have some actual understanding of, of how to how to deal with those issues mm. what kind of feedback are you getting like do you get oh i guess maybe a more provocative question is do you get people like challenging you on the book and say climate deniers do they come out of the woodwork because if you're because no. if your book is aimed towards a mass audience yeah. then those were that's where those people are yeah um they haven't responded that way to the book the the place that i got that was in my mooc my massive open online course mm. so when i taught that um a couple of times over the last couple of years you know we had uh you know over 30,000 people sign up for the course and a good 15,000 10 to 15,000 actually do all of the stuff in the course. And so that was, you know, those are people from over 100 different countries all around the world. Um, and you, we definitely got some folks in that group that were, um, and I wouldn't even call them skeptical. I would call them uh, deniers, active wow, deniers, okay. uh, some so extreme that I was suspicious, actually, you know, their motivations for participating in the conversation. It was an online class, mm -hmm. so you obviously didn't need any of these people. Did you have any yeah, idea of who they were, like gender, height? Height. What are you, you going to do always... with this information soon? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just curious. This what is, is the anatomy? Yeah. Are, like, what is the what, is, what does a troll look like? Hmm. Who is a troll? You know, besides. The, the bridge. I'm I'm not saying about you. I'm saying about me. Yeah. 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 No, I don't think I can. I don't think I can sort of conclusively say or or pigeonhole potential trolls um, in my class. I felt you know um, a good handful came out of the U.S. as far as okay. I know, and and that was from you know uh, information that they gave during discussion uh, forums and that sort of thing. Um, you know, some just had sort of a deep distrust in general for um, 
big government, what they perceive mm. as big science now, the green, those who are capitalizing or profiting off of, um, you know, green energy transitions. So sort of that cynical, um, semi-paranoid yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, sure. outlook on the world, I think, can cultivate trolling on the climate change front. Okay. There are trolls troll other people for different reasons, obviously, you know, for YouTubers and such. Um, everybody accrues their own particular brand of troll. Yes. But there weren't that many, you know, in terms of a percentage of participants, it was this tiny, tiny, as it tends to be a tiny, like 0.01% of people, but they're just really vocal and they tend yeah. to have a lot of time to uh, craft responses and try and derail conversations. It's a big problem across all different discussions, mm -hmm. I think. And like, do, do you have a strategy to deal with them? or? Yeah, I ignore it. To be honest, yeah. I um, a long time ago, and I and kudos to those who still engage in this conversation, but um, if I get the impression that somebody is completely unwilling to learn or unwilling to be open-minded or mm. accept evidence on its face, then I um, just don't have it in me in a lot of ways yeah. to engage with those people because there are so many um, well-intentioned folks who want to remedy ignorance and want to you know, um, make good change in the world one way or another. And I think that those people deserve my attention. So it's a tough call to, to sort of write off some uh, extreme fringe perspectives and focus your attention on the middle of the bell curve. But that's yeah. where I am. So can we talk a little bit about COP? It's COP21 that, mm -hmm. we're, that we're coming up to. Yeah. or could actually be happening while the time, by the time this comes out. Mm -hmm. um, are you going? I am not going. Oh, no. As far as I know. Okay. Have no, you been before? <laughs> yes. I've been to only one COP in Cancun a few years back. Um, you know, it's funny. My background is in international relations originally and environmental science. And, and I once really focused on the international level. But I've increasingly scaled down and down and down um, for a whole bunch of reasons. But, um, you know, I'm not so skeptical as to completely write off the value of international negotiations. However, mm. I think that there are, again, you know... Uh, this may be as a trend, but I choose to focus my um, my attention and my effort where I see really cool examples of innovation and, and action. So I focus a lot on cities. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so one cop um, in my entire life, and I have very respected colleagues that have been at every single one since Kyoto in the 90s, but um, not I. So what does it look like on the ground? I mean, when you, when you land, you land. Mm -hmm. And you get off the plane, what, what happens? Um, well, what happens next is, I think, um, according to my understanding, very dependent on where the COP is and who's hosting it yeah. and, and what the issues are at play. So, um, you know, ours was in Cancun. There was a fairly, fairly significant um, security presence, as there always is, and that depends on what's happened in the world in the last couple of years yeah. and the political situation internally. So um, there may or may not be um, sort of a visible security presence. That gets denser um, the closer you get to where heads of state or um, government types might be. So there's often a, always a huge pavilion that hosts the side events. So um, there's the main negotiations around the text of uh, the protocol or whatever issues are at play. So they're really those are the actual United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change negotiations that are going on. And heads of state governments are the participants in that process. Um, and then, but the a lot of the excitement actually happens surrounding that. So, uh, you know, all of the... Um, activist organizations, all of the think tanks, all of the groups that are active in, in the space show up 
they have booths, they have um, panel events, they have evening events. There's just, you know, more events and, and talks and parties and such that yeah. you can possibly imagine. So, And then often there's, you know, some kind of civil society action. There might be protests or there mm. might be that kind of thing. So all of that's going on at once. So I have a hard time wrapping my head around this. It's a negotiation. Mm-hmm. How, how does that happen? Like, I mean, is there one person, like, holding like a text and then someone like I just don't understand. Yeah, there are draft texts that are proposed um, prior to the event that yeah. are worked on. There um, it'll you know each cop is is um, at a different you know time period in like for instance the Kyoto Protocol which was negotiated, signed and then ratified. There's a text to that. So every you know party to the Kyoto Protocol had to agree to that text. So there's endless negotiation about every single word that goes into that. Obviously, you can imagine every word matters. And then um, nations sign it, and then they have to ratify it after that. Um, Canada did both, and then backed out, was the first nation to uh, formally withdraw from the Kyoto Protocol, which got us an excellent reputation in Russia. Um, And then, you know, the commitments that countries made in the Kyoto Protocol, um, which itself is a treaty, um, were, were to be reached between 2008 to 2012. So that was what was called the commitment period. So in the COPs during that time, there's a lot of talk of you know, whether or not nations are meeting their um, commitments, how far they've come, uh, what they need to get the job done, and then what's to come after that. So do we have another set of commitments that are even more stringent? And are all of these promises we're making getting us on track to carbon neutrality by 2080 or whatever. So those are the, the sorts of things that are discussed. So as someone on the ground, what does it look like for you? Like, do you enter enter a room, and how does the actual negotiation happen for you? Like, it, how do you input? It depends who you are. Okay. So um, I so some people are um, actually part of the um, negotiating team for their country. Okay. You don't necessarily have to be from that country to be part of that team. Oh. So, for instance, um, smaller countries with fewer resources might bring on external experts to be part of their negotiating team. So you'll hear oh, of wow. a Canadian who negotiated for Peru or whatever. Yeah. Um, so there is sort of a cadre of professionals, government types, and expert consultants, yeah. academics, who are actually part of the negotiating team for a country. And then there are others like myself. I wasn't part of the Canadian negotiating team, so um, I was on panels. I would, um, you know, meet with colleagues from around the world who were there at the same time and were working on projects together and that sort of thing. So for me, it was I, I went to the COP in Cancun to just watch, you yeah. know, and see who was there, see what the main issues were. Um, I had a particular agenda of focusing on small businesses, which is almost absent from any conversations at the international level. So I wanted to see if people cared whether or not small businesses were responding to climate change. Um, And there's always um, a fairly large big business presence now. Um, Have you been starstruck? Like, have you been walking down the street and you see, like, oh, my God, that's, like... You know, international climate policy director, you know, Sandre Chowdhury, and he's, you know, and he's not wearing a hat. He always wears a hat. You know, that yes. kind of like. That yeah. Of so I, I wasn't so starstruck at COP, but my my most starstruck experience was at my first lead author meeting for the IPCC, and I was, you know, a master's student at the time, and I was brought along by my supervisor, and then I sort of increased my role over time, but. You know, I had just started reading everything that there was out there in journal articles and such, and um, I entered my lead author chapter meeting, and there sitting around the table were, 
you know, 14 people from 14 countries, all of whom, you know, I knew their last names and not their first names, and they were all also men in their 60s, with one exception. Um, so I was terrified, and uh, I, at the time, didn't feel equipped to contribute at all until my uh, mentor and supervisor took me aside and said, I didn't bring you here to be silent. <laughs> Speak, please, even if you don't know what you're talking about. So I got this incredibly uh, compassionate yet assertive kick to, um, you know, weigh in. And oh my God, if someone did that to me, I'd burst into flames. Yeah, <laughs> I, I kind of almost did. That. <laughs> but it was a valuable lesson, you know. Like you can sit back and and listen all you want, and learning is crucial, and I really value that. But um, you don't learn if you don't kind of take a step. Out of your comfort zone. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, you have any questions? Yeah, I have lots of questions. Bombs away. Am I good? Okay. <laughs> they're not. They're not hard questions. Okay, good. Okay, so we had a lovely moment where we bonded over cinnamon buns. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Sam, we were at the library cafe, and <laughs> I had a cinnamon bun the size of my face. Yeah, I know. I know those cinnamon you buns. Know those I know ones. where they are. Everybody knows those ones. We don't admit to eating them. But all of a sudden, Sarah was next to me in line with the same thing. Yeah. I was inspired. It was just a beautiful moment. I feel like that connected us infinitely. So what other baked goods are on your menu when you go out? This is a serious question. Yeah. Really I am is. a baked good fanatic. You are fanatic? I can't even say the word. I'm like thinking about it. <laughs> what am I going to order after this? I can't this? say it through a mouthful of drool. <laughs> That's right. I have cupcakes in my pocket. You yeah. too? Yeah, awesome. Um, my favorite baked good? Well, that's an excellent question. Um, it's a good stall tactic. Yeah, no. I would say lemon tart. Oh. Lemon tart. Interesting. Big fan of the lemon tart. Okay. Yeah, I used to. Um, I worked my way through undergrad at a at a at a restaurant in Calgary that had this lemon tart that was mind altering, and I'd have one every single night. Really? Oh, I love yeah. that. <laughs> that was really good. That's how you get along. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, and um, yeah, pan au chocolat. I think. You know, mm. Right. Of course. Croissants. Just ridiculous. Yes. So I just thought of a, a name for a bakery. Uh huh. Ooh. Baked bads. Baked bad instead of baked goods. There you go. So it's it's edgy. Let's talk about why bad though, because they're all good. It's like bad in the Michael Jackson bad sense of the word. Oh, like bad, you know. I don't think people say that anymore. Baked, really? <laughs> yeah. So how old are we? I have, a, I have an idea like for a baker in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, Michael Who, good one. Yeah. He sang a song with Paul McCartney. The girl is mine. I know. It's and I was like, this. who won that? <laughs> Paul McCartney every day of the week. Who won Paul McCartney? Yeah. All of what? Like, anyways, sorry. Okay, sorry. so baked bads. Baked bads. I'm on the baked fence. Baked goods, but, baked bads. But work on it. Okay. I'll workshop work it. On, yeah, workshop it. It's half-baked idea. Yeah. Oh, oh. Jesus. Yeah, okay. Uh, one last here. question. We always ask this one. What are you watching these days? What, what am I watching go? these days? You can tell us the embarrassing I can't. Yeah. I can't. Can't you? No. Oh. You're watching Bachelor in Paradise, right? No, this is the embarrassing one that I am watching. I'm watching Nashville from the beginning. Oh. It's Jesus very bad. Christ. It's very bad. You're not the first person to say that at this booth. Really? Yeah, Nashville it's, is it's becoming steam. a theme. Yeah. It's, you know, and I and I got to say like I'm pretty all over House of Cards and Homeland and whatever and and watch them and I love them quite a lot. Like the basics. But somehow yeah. I'm, you know, I I can actually like demarcate periods of my life by the embarrassing pastime that I have and the way it helps Ooh. me zone out. 
Let's do that. Oh, yeah. Okay, so PhD was Super Mario Brothers 3, but on my laptop. Oh. Because this was like a throwback to, you know, obviously. Being oh, of course, you can get the games. Yeah. Yes, you can get the old Nintendo games on your computer. Yeah. Um, so I also, during that time, watched um, Six Feet Under over and over and over, oh. which made me quite depressed, I have yeah. to say. I realized now that I was fairly happy had I not been watching that television show. Okay. And then I. Um, very shortly after I started playing Minecraft. Minecraft? Yes. Interesting into Minecraft. And actually, um, so I, I've lost some of my appetite for it, but it has this brilliant co-benefit of making me like a superstar to any boy under 13. So all of my nephews and my friends' children, like, they're just... They can just talk yeah, at you. I'm their very favorite. You get it. Wow. I do. Okay. I speak the language. It's pretty awesome. Nice. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so that was grad and then undergrad. Oh, well, actually, that's a good question. Undergrad. Or high school. I like, worked too hard. I actually worked in undergrad. I so lost your my work motivation. was your leisure. Ew. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, yeah, I was waitressing. I did two degrees at the same time in undergrad, so I was actually, in fact, working a lot. <laughs> I feel disgusted. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> what? We sit no. here and just sort of go, ew. My undergrad? Oh, my God. What did you <laughs> do? Did degrees. you show up to class? Uh, first year, I did not. Yeah, okay. Yeah. What were you doing instead? Um, or maybe we should just leave that off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's it wasn't anything that won't be legal soon. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That doesn't leave much. Yeah, that was... Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah nice. Do you want to do games, or...? Uh, we could do pirate game. Pirate, pirate profession? Oh, uh -oh. yeah. That was a good one. You don't have to, but it's fun. Games make me nervous. Okay. So the way this game works is basically we all just have a pirate accent, but we are talking as if we we are in a profession. So, like, we will give each other a profession, and then you have to talk like you're in that profession. So, Sam, do you want to give me one? Okay. Um, I think we'll do something appropriate to yeah. what, uh, what we were discussing earlier. <laughs> so you are a pirate baker. Oh. Or bake, bake, selling baked goods at Baking Bad. Or bake, baking bake Bad. bad. Baking okay. Bad is better. That's good. <laughs> baking Bad. Baking that bad. makes sense. Okay. What was it before? Baked it was baked bad. Bad. Yeah. Baked bad. Baking Bad. Baking Bad. That's, okay. that's a that, pun. That It'll only potential. be relevant for five years. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get these croissants in the oven. Get them. Arr, my pig leg and my hole for a hand is not helping... Rum tum tum. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> Yard is pretty good. Yard! Yard, it's just so hard to knead dough with a hook for a hand. Oh, hook. Okay, that's what yeah, I was going not a hole. Uh, my red hook. Oh, I lost. That's not a hole for a hand. Sorry, my hook came off in the dough and now it's just a hole. Sorry to the pirates and for misrepresenting. My parrot keeps defecating in the, in the, in the tarts. I don't, yeah. What? Don't look at me like that's gross. <laughs> It's a pirate. It's like, we always go to the poop. Well, we go to the poop. Accidental okay. fetishism. What? Okay, it's your turn now, Sarah. Okay, so now Sarah. Okay, Sarah, maybe you can be, um, maybe you could be a, a pirate lawyer at COP <laughs> for December. Okay. Uh, so that was a good start. That was a good start. That's all I know. What else do I have to say? Maybe that's all they say. <laughs> Just... 
Thanks for so much for coming. What a yeah. treat. What yeah. a way to end our podcast series. I know. This is great. But so. actually, maybe not because you might be in December or October. We don't know. Yeah. But you've been great. Thanks. Thanks you're for good, inviting me. You're good Super sport. Fun. With your sport tools and such. <laughs> I do use the cross implements. Very good. All right, great. It's getting hot in here. Very good. Peace. Peace.